Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast with me, Carl McKeever. On this episode, we're welcoming back the physical. October saw the return of Retail Week Live as a physical event. To celebrate, we headed to London in real life to talk to speakers and attendees. We'll be looking back on Retail Week Live 2021, the ultimate event for those interested in what's happening now and what lies ahead for retail. And the first physical event stop for the Retail Exchange bus in almost two years. Throughout the two-day event, we were there with microphones in hand to hear the thoughts of those attending. It's good to be back. During months of lockdown, retail leaders had to learn on the go and adapt quickly. But what happens now as the dust begins to settle and management teams refocus on what comes next? After months of enforced slumber, the retail world stretched its limbs and took a breath of fresh air in London earlier this month for the UK's biggest retail conference, Retail Week Live. It was an event packed with great guests, with retail leaders sharing their ideas on how to make retail better. For a good grounding on this year's event, I talked in depth to Retail Week editor Luke Tugby, Box Park founder Roger Wade, Fat Face head of e-commerce Liam Price, and others attending the event. All that coming up on this episode of the Retail Exchange podcast. Do stay tuned. I'm delighted to say that my guests are Luke Tugby, editor of Retail Week, and Ian McGarrickle, chairman of World Retail Congress. Gentlemen, good morning and welcome. Good morning. I'd like to talk to you about this event and specifically what you've been hearing from some of the participants here. Obviously, one of the first occasions where uh, retailers can meet together en masse, and I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations and topics on their mind. So let's start off by getting your take on what some of the uh, conversations have been. What have people been telling you about the state of their own nation? I mean, you can't avoid uh, conversations on on Christmas. People aren't being uh, too open in terms of what they're expecting for Christmas uh, on stage, but certainly looking at the the supply chain issues and trying to navigate those into Q4 and and beyond, I think are are top of a lot of people's minds. Uh, Sustainability is a huge topic of of conversation right now. We've seen that played out quite a lot in our sessions this week and a lot of discussion on how businesses are really looking to bring that into the heart of their organisations now for, for the good of the customer. Um, and the other big theme, I think, is, is the people piece, um, culture. And, you know, there's a huge, huge war for talent being fought out there at the moment and creating the right culture, um, doing the right thing, but by your people, by your colleagues, by your customers. I think that's going to become a huge differentiator in terms of where the young workforce uh, choose to work in the future. So I think they're the, the three big things for me that have come out in, uh, in conversations and in sessions that, that I've seen so far. And how about for you, Ian? I would completely agree with, uh, with Luke. I mean, firstly, I would say it's been great because the conversations I'm hearing, firstly, are that people are delighted to be back meeting with each other. I mean, uh, not only is it this week Retail Week Live, but last week we had the Retail Week Awards. So between the two events, it was just fantastic to see and experience uh, the industry coming together. And um, as you're asking, I mean, that's a great opportunity to hear what retailers are thinking about and worrying about and, you know, completely agree with what um, Luke was saying there, the the big talk, it, it, it seems like those unforeseen consequences of um, a year and a half or more of uh, the lockdowns and the, the pandemic, you know, what mm. impacts that's having on 
well, not just retail, but obviously specifically for retail around the supply chain issues and um, Christmas looming and uh, the media sort of looking mm. at, uh, you know, will Christmas be stolen and uh, all of those issues, will we get products? And that's a big area that um, you hear talking about. And I guess it's all, it, coming to an event like this, it's a, it's a massive confirmation, really, about the importance of these kind of events. You know, I suppose we can, you know, sometimes overlook some of that. And actually, but for the last few months, where well, we've been separated from one another and people are very much been operating in their own company bubbles. When you're able to come to a forum like this and hear new things and get inspired by other people and hear and change, exchange views, you know, clearly that's why the audience is here. Absolutely, yeah. One, uh, one chief exec described it to me yesterday as Alcoholics Anonymous because it's just a way of retailers coming together and actually saying, you know, we're not alone here. We're sharing very similar problems and actually maybe we can learn from some of our contemporaries about how we're dealing with some of those issues. But I think the other thing I've been really impressed with is that despite everything that's going on, despite the 18 months that we've just had, retailers are still very, very keen, perhaps even more keen than ever, to look at innovation and, and new ways of growing. You know, we had sessions yesterday about, uh, you know, gaming and, and the metaverse and, uh, you know, very strong retail audiences there wanting to find out about these potential new ways of selling. And I think that's what's, what's you know, really heartening for me to see is that that, that evolution, those new ways of selling, that uh, the way that retail always looks to consistently, constantly transform. So not just kind still of there. not just getting back to business and opening the doors again, but actually looking at what's down the track and really starting to think about innovation as a way to drive growth. Yeah, and, and not just back to business, back to basics, but better business. How, how can we build back from this better? To, to borrow a phrase from from Mr. Johnson, but I think that is genuinely how retailers are thinking about this that you know how can we use this crisis to improve our business mm. that's the mindset that i think a lot of people are, are trying to take yeah. and of those three big kind of issues that you highlighted there you know christmas the supply chain and, and people you know let's take the supply chain challenges that we have at the moment how much of that has caught retailers by surprise do you think or were some brands actually actively thinking you know look when we restart and the momentum starts to build again you know there's going to be pressure on people and pressure on transport etc etc so were people caught off guard or, or genuinely have some people already sort of started to bake some of this into their planning i think um I don't know we're caught off guard, but I think the severity of what we're seeing now has really just taken everyone uh, by surprise. But I was talking to a, a CEO here yesterday who was saying that in terms of the supply chain, you know, right at the beginning when the lockdowns happened, I mean, clearly they had to talk to their suppliers. So I think there's clearly been an awareness from retailers all throughout this about the, the, the extended supply chains and what do they do with orders that they've already placed, etc. But I think it's just this culmination of, you know, as things have started to reopen, you know, you just find that everything is in the wrong place, you know, containers uh, are on the wrong side of the world and mm. um, and there's a shortage of people to off, you know, offload um, containers and, and that's the really hard part that um, retailers are, are grappling with. Yeah. And, and, and of course supply chains work, you know, most at their best when they're um, frictionless, where all of those different points are all synchronised and sequenced and they just flow seamlessly together. And of course what yep. we've had is a massive series of interruptions along and different points along the way, which yep. has inevitably caused issues. Absolutely. But I suppose, Ian, you know, one of the things that you've been uh, uh, talking very prominently with through the conferences at World Retail Congress over the last couple of years is this concept of agility. And I suppose retailers in the last 18 months have really demonstrated that, that spirit of agility and their ability to uh, pivot quite quickly from what is perceived as the issue of the day into what is the edition of tomorrow. Yeah, ab absolutely. I think it's been um, 
fascinating because uh, before all this happened, you know, one of the key uh, areas we looked at, because that's what retailers asked us to focus on at the Congress, is how can established retail business be more like a startup? How can it act like Amazon? How can it be faster? So we always kind of had sessions, you know, for the last few years looking at that. And then this happened and every retailer you know, had to learn you know, to survive, that they had to um, you know, put agility at the very heart of everything and move much faster. You know, no doubt fail at things, but learn from them and move, uh, move rapidly on. And that's, and that's still the message, I think. Mm. I think um, picking up on what Luke said, my, my sense is that we've gone through several phases over the last um, 18, 19 months, you know, pure survival and, and then uh, sort of establishing a new strategy but I think any retailer that thinks you know, we've made it, we can now you know, wait for normality to return is um, probably deluded. I think we're about to enter a new phase, which is going to be, you know, taking that agility word, it's going to move even faster. And that's certainly what I was picking up from retailers um, talking um, to them yesterday at Retail Week Live. You know, that's, there's a real realisation that, you know, you know you, we have to move forward and, and you know, retailers have to learn um, that this is a new era we're, we're about to enter. I love that other issue you mentioned there, Luke, um, in terms of people as being one of those really you know, important new dynamics about how you um, lead the, the workforce and motivate the team in different ways. Certainly in the conversations I've been having with uh, people here um, yesterday, what's very uh, evident is that uh, people are, are keen to see that this hybrid blended working, you know, sometime mm. at home, sometime in the office, sometime in the support office, that's, that's very much in their thinking as here to stay. Um, what other things have you heard people talking about around the way they're going to lead and motivate people in the future? I think it comes back to your purpose as a business. I think what we are seeing certainly from uh, you know, Gen Z, millennials coming through now, they don't just want to pick up a paycheck. They want to work with a business that they genuinely connect to and you know, understand the brand, what they're trying to strive for. And they feel a part of that. They feel like they're achieving something, not just contributing to a, a big multinational delivering another two billion pounds of profit. So I, I think for, for retailers, it's just about setting that very core direction and putting that right at the heart of your business. This is what we stand for. This is the journey we are on and this is how you can help us to do that. Um, but, you know, surrounding all of that, you've got everything from, uh, you know, diversity and inclusion. I talked a lot about social mobility yesterday. There was a really interesting panel there with uh, Lynn Warren from Jules and also Panu Christou, the, the boss of Pret. Um, talking about how there's, uh, particularly through the pandemic, there's still been a, a stigma associated with uh, social mobility and people from maybe lower socioeconomic backgrounds who are even less willing to talk about these things over video call than they would be in person and it's 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 quite in quite a, a tough environment for people from those lower uh, low economic backgrounds deprived areas to actually come through in retail now and, and of course that's something that retail has been championing for years and has been re renowned for for years is that route from from shop floor to boardroom so I think retailers do have to ensure that those opportunities are equally distributed because mm. that, has, that has always been the case in the past and, and we need to make sure that continues uh, mm. in the future as well. And of course, one of the other big kind of trends at the moment is, is just the uh, sheer amount of vacancies which are there within retail. And going back to your point about how there is this real chase for talent and how you think need to think differently and innovatively to attract the talent and retain that talent if you're really going to you know, get the best of you know, what's out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly now, I think there's more of a focus than ever on looking at the, the package that you give someone as a holistic whole rather than this is what you take home at the end of the month because ultimately 
people want so much more than that now. They want to feel part of a project. They want to feel like they're supported physically and mentally, both in work and outside of work. You know, is that discounted gym memberships? Is that access to counselling services if you need them? Those kinds of things. And I think increasingly it's going to be much more than just your salary. It's okay, what can you give me as an employer that benefits me in life, not just in my bank balance. And mm. I think that's a real trend that's only going to accelerate, as I say, as that younger generation comes through and, and ultimately makes up the workforce in, in 10, 20 years to come. What struck me from talking to people again yesterday was that uh, each brand seems to have adopted quite different strategies around employing engagement uh, and communications on a regular basis, keeping people updated, making them feel reassured, helping them to understand how their role is changing or, or flexing in an, you know, what was essentially a fast-moving situation. Um, how do you see the, the, the role of this kind of event in helping to you know, move forward those agendas for employee communication? As we heard you know, from Luke earlier, I think uh, the, the beauty of these events, which we've rediscovered, is that you know, retailers want to... I mean, it's, it's one of the most competitive industries, but every time I've been at events over many, many years, retailers will always want to learn from each other and exchange ideas. And I, I think what I've been hearing is, um, uh, certainly yesterday, uh, is, is that the way they had to engage with their, with their workforces and that recognition of uh, supporting them and encouraging them and training them uh, throughout. And uh, I think we're going to see a huge amount of work and focus on that going forward. And I think, uh, you know, these events are important for, you know, senior leadership teams to learn from what other people are doing. And I think it elevates anyway that uh, topic because the industry, going back to what I was saying earlier, is if it's going to move forward, which it has to, you know, I think putting an understanding what the future retail workforce will look like, what it needs to be, uh, we're doing a big piece of work of that for, on that for next year's World Retail Congress um, and we're breaking down what those skills requirements are, what the behaviours are, what retail employers need to do to support those workforces and we're sort of busily doing that now, engaging with retailers around the world. And that's really interesting because I think one of the conversations that came up was how normally such a lot of um, employee matters are dealt with um, uh, face-to-face, you know, whether that's through area and regional management coming to visit stores and providing coaching and training and development and career progression, etc. And of course, all of that had to go online and had to go digitally. So I think this whole kind of uh, fast-tracking of digital and of course an event like this is where you can see so many more opportunities to be engaged with people you know, via different platforms, different methods of communication, etc. And I think that's one of the key takeouts for me is just how so much of the way that we used to communicate with people has evolved and at such a fast pace as a result of what we've just been through. Yeah, completely agree. But uh, also you, you cannot be face-to-face, in-person communication. Yeah, the, the conversations that you have and the rapport that you can build up with people is just it, completely different from what you can... Uh, achieve on a screen and, and actually I, th- I do worry about you know new starters in in any business I mean you know we've seen it at retail week and world retail congress people young people starting during the pandemic and uh, and they're not learning by osmosis in the office it, it's you know you can't just turn around to someone sat behind you and say oh sorry I'm not sure how to do this you have to make a phone call or set up a video call and it's quite stilted that, yes. that, that learning process so just being back in person and, and having those conversations is is brilliant but um to pick up on, on what Ian was, was saying earlier, I think just uh, in terms of that, that war for talent and uh, how retail can, can kind of win that, is, is that sense of community. Because yes, retailers are competing against each other for talent, but they're also competing against Google, Facebook, Microsoft, you know, other industries as well. So 
how can we get retail's voice heard in, in a broader sense to, to really trumpet the role of retail and the sort of career that you can have in retail to, to keep people coming into the industry rather than going to, to the fangs and into other tech jobs. I think that's something that retail as a whole is aware that it probably needs to do a, a much better role. It's just really landing that, that point, message. retail's always prided itself. Um, we heard from Steve Morales from the CEO mm. of Coop yesterday. He started pushing trolleys around and he's now the yep. CEO and, and there's so many stories of today's generation of leaders who've come through that way you know and so you would like to believe and I think retail is one of those industries absolutely that people can start in today's you know yes there are people still moving trolleys around but you know what are the other yes. jobs that starting at that sort of entry level that you can become and to CEO. progress into many different kinds yeah. of areas actually and quite quickly absolutely so uh, you know throughout the pandemic you know grocery was kind of the big story really um what do you think we've learned and, and especially from the conversation yesterday with with ken from tesco uh, what, what have we learned about how grocery has uh, responded and what's next you know coming up big on the grocery agenda I think to come back to the word you used earlier was agility. We, we saw grocers move at incredible pace to scale up their, their online operations. You know, Tesco were a fine example. I think they went from something like 800,000 delivery slots a week to, to one and a half million, which is just incredible. Um, Iceland achieved, you know, similar rates of growth as well. Um, but I think first and foremost, the thing that a lot of re retailers and grocers more specifically will want to keep is this uh, bottom-up approach rather than a top-down because so many of, of the good decisions primarily in grocers but also elsewhere were coming from the shop floor it was people that saying I'm seeing this within my business we need to act on this you know if you look at things like um, the additional hour opening for NHS in the mornings or that the elderly hour as they started to call it for, for uh, older and, and vulnerable customers those are ideas that originated on the shop floor we said you know people saying we want to try this let's see how it works rolled out to stores and eventually across the, the entire business. So, so empowerment and agility working together to create new and you know, rapid solutions. Exactly. And, the, and, then you, and then you bring in the culture piece again. And, and it's about creating uh, an atmosphere in your stores, a culture within the business that means that people on the shop floor feel empowered to go to a higher level and say, we need to be doing this right now for the benefit of our business and our customers. And creating that culture that allows that that kind of communication and that ideas generation to happen and to happen quickly mm. and ultimately i think that's going to um, separate the, the winners from the losers as we come through this my next guest on the retail exchange podcast is andrew fox and he's head of business development for trust systems limited i caught up with him mid-event just to talk about some of his experiences hi andrew and welcome Good afternoon, Carl. Nice to nice to be with you here today at the event. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely event actually, and I'm keen to know what your experience of this is as a first time partner here, uh, supporting uh, Retail Week Live. How have you found it? Found it brilliant. Um, as you say, yeah, this is the first time we've been a supporter of uh, of the event. Um, I think it's always a bit nervous when you you know, although we're very strong in retail, um, we've got a good number of customers that are here coming and um, yeah, experiencing the, the event for the first time, it's been really positive. I think first and foremost, you know, for most of us being the first networking event that we've come to post-COVID, it's all been managed extremely well. Um, the venues uh, venues are good and, and actually the interaction with people has been, been first class. 
um, the guest speakers, you know, great to come and spend some time listening to the brands, listen to some of the key sort of retail names, understanding their challenges and what they're looking forward to, to, to sort of unlocking within their, within their environments. And um, yeah, it's been a great opportunity to talk technology, to talk challenges and, and ultimately, you know, understanding a bit more about, you know, the sector and, and helping us form some ideas. I think one of the things I've really noticed is, is you know, I guess, you know, if you think back post-COVID when we're all on the conference circuit and we rock up in this country or that conference centre or whatever, inevitably there's a sort of, you know, weariness that's attached to some of those experiences. Whereas I think we're all keen as mustard to get out again and meet real people. And I have to say, I've never seen so many smiles in a queue yeah. <laughs> before, we, before we came in. And, and and it is nice. I think, look, you know, Teams has done a wonderful job and WebEx and all those wonderful things actually keeping face to face. And that, I think the I think that interaction with the camera has been vital over, over the period. But you know what? It doesn't take away from actually sitting next to somebody conversing. And I've I've actually really enjoyed the event for that. Yes. Um, people that, 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 you know, whether I'll connect with them again, whether I'll, you know, we'll, we'll do some business, who knows? But actually being able to sit next to somebody, talk about, you know, something that we've just seen, some, you know, some shared experiences in, in, in reality, in yeah. life, in the, in the moment. The, it really a, is the joy of gathering, isn't it? And I think the fact we all feel completely unleashed um, to, to, you know, once again, mix together freely. No, terrific. Couldn't agree more. From the sessions you've attended and the conversations you've had with people here over the last couple of days, what, what for you do you think are some of those kind of key take-outs of retailers' priorities for next year, 2022? Well, so listening to um, to a lot of the key brands and uh, retailers, uh, I mean, sustainability has to be one of the the key takeaways. How I think the the buyers become a lot more conscious around actually what they're buying and the impact that's having in on on the sort of the, the wider environment. Yeah, whether that's also the corporate and social responsibility about driving a you know a zero sort of carbon emissions bringing those areas together, how can technology actually really help um, organizations reduce their carbon footprint, engage with customers, you know, give more insight into the, the originality of the, of the product yes. and where it's coming from. So yeah. I think that's one of the key drivers that, that, that I'm seeing. I think, as we mentioned earlier, data insight, I think that's going to become much more complex over the next, uh, next 18 months, two years, as, as people start to become a, wanting to be a little bit more anonymous on their phones through cookies and the you know, removal of cookies. So how, again, you can still connect with your customer, engage with the customer. But ensure privacy. Uh, but ensure privacy and, uh, and still drive that loyalty, still drive you know, as much secondary spend as you can do, promotion. So that's going to be quite an interesting sort of area, I think. And where engagement the... doesn't become overly intrusive and those types of things. Absolutely. And um, I think sort of um, just, just thinking, thinking out sort of loud, um, more as well around customer experience. I think one of the, the big things is We've got to draw more people back into a retail environment. Sure. Uh, we've all become you know, much more uh, used to buying online, and, and, and therefore that, that trend is probably there, going to be there to stay, as we're all recognising. So, how actually you can deliver a more online digital experience in store? Mm. You know, bridging sort of the, the clicks to bricks, mm. bringing people back in. I think that's really on people's agenda, and how they can offer that digital in store 
experience and it, to, to excite the, the to excite the sort of the shopper because you know none of us want to go somewhere we want to go to touch and feel things and get that that, that feel of quality that, that that feel of the garment the, the the product that we're looking to buy that's we want to make sure it's there yes so so actually if i'm going to travel i want to know it's going to be there and i'm going to be able to sort of take it away if not i want to know that i can order it and therefore it's going to be delivered within the next x period and, and therefore bridging that that, that sort of um, digital online experience in store is going to be vital. Yeah, and, and I think for many consumers, it's, it's that uh, uh, real desire to get to get back outside into real environments and that whole interaction again with shops and stores. But as you say, when people are there, that they're not disappointed. So, you know, for the last 18 months, clearly where we've had different priorities and we've all had to stay home, it's not just a case of retailers opening their doors again, but really bringing the show to town. And whether that's through the environment or service or just even making sure that the availability is there, those are going to be crucial decisions for brands in the coming months. Absolutely. And I think we were hearing quite, um, quite clearly from, from um, the CEO from Fennec uh, yesterday, actually keeping it local as well. You know, uh, I think people, the, the, their buying habits, their travel habits are changing. And therefore, we've got to be more adaptable about how we can get that stock, get that product, get that you know that retailer to sort of provide that local that local sort of shopping experience. And I think one of the things that always seems to drive um, senior retailers who've been in the business for years and years is the fact that actually retailer retailing is always a fast-moving target. And you know, one year is never quite the same as the next year. And there's always things to learn. But you know, it just feels perhaps that you know, last 18 months just turbocharged that whole concept really. And you know, people having to think fast. And think on their feet and you know, think in different ways. You know, I, 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 I get the impression that people are very keen now to say, look, we don't need to lose some of these, this kind of innovation that we've had, but how do we now manage this and harness this in a way that we can actually put to the greater good? Yeah, um, that technology has done us all proud over the last 18 months in terms of you know, people's readiness to actually stand up some of these solutions and be agile. Um, and I think the people around um, retail in particular have, have done a fantastic job to enable that, to, to, to get as much of, um, of us moving again as quickly as we possibly can. So yeah, there's going to be a big challenge in terms of can we sustain as much technology from a, from a spend perspective? Um, so how can we make um, the uh, you know, the retailers as efficient as they possibly can in other areas. So yeah. embracing more self-checkout yeah. and actually putting, um, rather than having somebody stood at a till, you know, um, taking that those transactions, checking somebody out uh, through that process, actually using that individual to actually provide maybe more customer service around the product in store mm. rather than at the checkout. So I think that's where we'll start to see more sort of change in the, uh, again, taking more technology on is to, to use it to to repurpose stuff. And, and I think possibly, I think you're absolutely right, and, and maybe also brands looking at how they can, you know, use all of these various services that you're out there now, but in a way which is very bespoke almost in terms of what kind of customer experience they want to offer or what fits and connects that's right with their brand. So that effectively what we see is, is actually a lot more distinctiveness back on the high street in many ways where people are really saying, well, what can we do? How can we do it differently? And how can we really delight our customers? And that's around two-way feedback, isn't it? Engagement. So what does that customer want? And again, what's important for one customer about a brand will be different to somebody else. So tailoring that experience, giving people's options of how they sort of interact with your brand to suit them, I think, again, is going to be really important. And technology can really provide that by giving you good profiling and information about that, that customer. So actually, you can... You can drive the right activity, you can drive the right loyalty schemes, engagement 
to, to give that end user what they want to ultimately be loyal to your brand. Wow, all sounds fantastic. Um, so, Andrew, I'm guessing, um, in summary, your two days here was time well spent? Absolutely, yeah. No, I shall be going away from here very happy, um, enriched from the experience, uh, and, um, you know, really pleased to, to have had the opportunity to be here, and I'll be excited to then take, take this away back to, the, uh, to back to the business of how we can you know, shape our, our products and services moving forward. Fantastic. Thank you, Andrew. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you. Another one of my guests here on the Retail Exchange podcast. Thank you, Carl. It's been, uh, it's been great. Retailers will be hoping that Q4 delivers a strong end to the year. But how will the highly publicised supply chain issues and subdued consumer confidence likely affect the sector? We spoke to Richard Lim, Chief Executive at Retail Economics, for his view on what lies in store for retailers in the coming months. Um, I think the big challenge um, next year, and even you know, and, and even for the rest of this year, is just going to be around profitability. Um, I think there's a you know we've just been through you know a kind of a, we've been through the pandemic. There's been a huge shift on consumer uh, consumer behavior that shift towards online um, as stores have reopened we've seen some consumers revert back to previous shopping habits um, other shopping habits that have become kind of sticky towards online and that shift towards online is putting pressure on some parts of the industry more than others but those retailers that have got too many stores too much space they're having to deal with those fixed uh, that kind of fixed operating costs while online continues to account for more of their sales so variable costs are rising and so overall profitability is being squeezed and then that's also against the backdrop of the supply chain issues, against um, against uh, kind of shortages in the labour pool, which is pushing up wage inflation. So there's a lot of pressure on profitability that isn't going to go away, uh, going to away, ne- going to go away next year. And then on top of that, yeah, you know, added compl- complexity of things like ESG, sustainability. So the outlook is, is is pretty challenging in my view. I also think the consumer environment is getting a lot tougher as well. Um, the macro environment has become a lot more complex because of supply chain issues, because of inflation expectations, because consumer confidence is also taken a bit of a nosedive as well in recent, uh, in recent weeks. So people's, people are becoming a bit more cautious about their outlook, about their spending. Um, and I think inflation is, could potentially be the real kicker for, um, for consumer confidence. You know, our, our expectation is that inflation could reach as high as four or five percent by the end of the year um, and while it's going to be challenging for some households that I think the silver lining is that households have built up a lot of savings so they do have the ability to try to um, yeah to try to kind of ride out that storm I think people will be um, optimistic and you know kind of uh, grateful I guess to be able to get back um, and see their families over Christmas and hopefully you know there isn't a case of another lockdown or anything like that but you know having said that I you know I don't you can't you know you can't dismiss the fact that there might be another lockdown this year um, but I think you know that aside uh, so assuming that we don't have another lockdown I think that people will be glad to get back I don't I don't see this as being a significant boost to spending this year that's that wouldn't be my view. There was a lot of talk at the event about the best way to help regenerate our high streets and urban retail. Box Park founder Roger Wade and London designer outlet general manager Sue Shepherd joined me to share their views. 
what do you both think, I guess, can be done to kind of help to repurpose traditional retail? You know, there's been lots of challenges for high streets. Many towns and city centres are, you know, finding it difficult to find their own path through. You know, what, what can be done to really spur, you know, newness and innovation and, and growth for these places around Britain? Well, to be, I mean, I'm really glad you're asking me the, the bigger questions. And to be absolutely frank with you, it, it, it isn't just down to the retail offering. We can't you know, conveniently lay this at the doorstep of apparently physical retail is responsible for its own demise. You can't actually compete with online. And definitely I've heard, heard some sort of murmurings within government that they believe that they can't rescue physical stores. I, I am seriously concerned about the state of our high streets and town centres and what will become the implications if we don't resolve those problems. So obviously the, the biggest challenge that we've got is technology and online, okay? Well, let's start with online. All we're asking for as retailers or leisure and hospitality, so in our case, it might be we're competing against Deliveroo. Of course, that's a competition because they want to deliver into the home. We want people to come out the home and have a great experience, mm -hmm. you know, and clearly Amazon is a major threat to the high street. But we're not asking for a begging bowl. We're asking for a level playing field for our high streets and our retailers and our town centers to survive. So, for instance, if Amazon has got a warehouse in the middle of nowhere, but is delivering to every single um, city in the Britain, let's pay, let's pay the same business rates as they have. We need to replace the archaic business rate system, and we need to stop having this little conversation about replacing the business rate system. And of course, we, successive governments have kicked that particular can down the road yeah, and, yeah, and continue. It, we need to do something about it now. It is the moment because when you have what was probably the most successful retailer in the world at, at one stage, Topshop Oxford Circus, close their doors. When you've got every single gap in the UK, close their doors. Debenhams, House of Frasers, the list goes on. And do you see that recent announcements, so the government earlier this week yeah. made an announcement about massive um, residential building program on brownfield sites in yeah. city centres. Do you see that that's part of the, the, the solution? No. They're, they're, they're clueless. They're absolutely clueless. Look, we need to stop talking about... Oh no, I need to go back firstly to retail. What can you do? Business rates, complete re-evaluation. It's not just that. Amazon is paying corporation tax. I think they announced 2 billion increase in sales over the last year. I think they paid equivalent of 2% corporation tax. Your average little small independent that is in Whitstable is paying 20% corporation tax. That clearly doesn't work. Let's avoid, let's get away from these tax avoidance schemes. That's absolutely critical. So we're just saying, let's create that level playing field so physical retail can survive. Mm. Without so, that, it won't survive. Mm. And, and, I, and I guess, Sue, you know, probably have some similar concerns, but anything you'd like to add to that? You know, what, can, what, what are some of those big strategic things that need to happen to change that will give the high street a chance for regeneration? Well, everything, I second everything that Roger's just said. This is, this is a, we are standing on a burning platform in retail at the moment. It's a scary, scary place to be, not just for independence, you know, when you see the likes of John Lewis in Watford, who closed, uh, closed their doors over a year ago now, that town centre has been completely decimated since that storm moved out. 
and, and, you know, everybody follows because, you know, that was a big footfall driver. Yeah, I think it's the same situation in Peterborough. Yeah, exact, exactly the same. And, you know, that was a staple of the high street for, you know, it, it had been in that shopping centre for, you know, 50 years. So we've got to start taking this situation seriously. Um, building more houses on brownfield sites, that's, that's not the answer. Mm. Um, but maybe it's a controversial point, but look, retailers have also been very keen to jump onto the e-commerce bandwagon themselves too. And for some brands, certainly in the last 18 months, that's helped them enormously. Yeah. You take a company like Next, and clearly they have massively benefited from their yeah. joined-up yeah. operations for e-commerce and retail and all of the distribution synergies that work between them. So yeah. can retailers have it always, I guess, is one of the questions. I don't, I don't think we're, we're sort of, we're, as I said before, we're not looking for a begging bowl. We're just looking for a level playing field. So the reality is Next has got stores up and down the country that are playing massive business rates. The reality is, is Next is paying their fair contribution towards, um, towards corporation tax. So we're just saying, give us that playing field. Many retailers and brands were wandering the halls at Retail Week Live to check out the latest, the new and the next. Others were taking to the stage to share their experience and insight. One such person was Liam Price, head of e-commerce at clothing retailer Fatface, who stopped to talk to us after his main stage panel discussion. We started by asking him what it was like to be back on stage for a physical event at Retail Week Live and the e-commerce priorities for retailers post-pandemic. Certainly my first time, your first time out at the event for 18 months, near enough. Absolutely. Um, what's it like to be back out into the real world at Retail Week Live? It's a little bit daunting, actually. All these people, seeing them face to face, but you've been able to hide behind a screen for the last eight, 18 months. But it's good. It's nice to see, see everything coming alive again. Um, it's nice to see you all sort of letting the hair down as well, you know, just chatting naturally rather than through a screen and it being forced. Um, so it's great. It's great to be back out and about again. And uh, yeah, it's great. I think everyone ran full steam ahead last year to keep up with demand and now we are rebasing and I think everyone's been pleasantly surprised by the normalisation between store and web sales, particularly for those multi-channel retailers. And no one up until a couple of months ago was truly sure what would happen to e-com sales, whether they'd go back to last year's numbers, whether they'd continue as they were. I think now everyone's pretty much across the industry seeing them rebasing at a higher level than they were. Um, a lot of that stuff we quickly reacted to um, over the last 18 months. We need to go back and revisit, make sure it's implemented correctly, you know, make sure we've got the right systems in place, right partners in place. There's a lot of um, process process stuff to do to make sure that actually, you know, going into this peak, we're in a good place um, to continue to take the demand levels we're, we're seeing. Um, and then, you know, investment in teams, investment in whether that's tech as well. Um, everyone's been running so fast. I think everyone needs to just step back a minute. Um, now there's some more certainty around um, and, and yeah, make, make sure they're fit, fit for future. Retailers' technology playbooks have evolved at pace in the last 18 months. I spoke to Peak AI Retail Director Tom Summerfield to discuss the importance of using technology such as AI to support smarter decision making as retailers bid to optimise their operations. 
I guess in the last 18 months specifically, you know, businesses have had to really embrace digital in ways they haven't done before. Um, you know, principally, I guess, in terms of, you know, remote working and using uh, video platforms, etc., as, as ways of talking to teams. But I imagine also, you know, people have also been logging in from a remote perspective in terms of, their, you know, their, their server systems, you know, back at HQ. How, how have you been able to help clients there in terms of their, their solutions? Most definitely the last 18 months have will probably, when we reflect on it, will be, uh, it's been a positive time for the, the, the maturity of people thinking about AI and applying it to their worlds. Um, as with so many transformative digital pieces, as you touched on, like the, the way we communicate and things like that. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that, that we've been able to support some of our customers with, um, who are especially in the demand and sort of merchy stock sort of world, is that I think oh, like through last year, if you had a website that was half decent, you've ended up doing not bad out of all of this, you know, lockdowns and what have you. And you probably, there's a few retailers going, we got away, we sort of got away with that actually a bit. But I'll tell you what, our stock and our demand for it is all over the place. We're uh, trying to, um, you know, predict what's going to happen is basically impossible. And I should imagine for most businesses, their data sets that they've relied on for their future planning in some ways have been completely, you know, wrecked some through of, all of this. Yeah, like if you think, like, with the stores have all shut, so what do we do now? Yeah, a big, oh, big time, yeah. And, and kind of peaks in demands and points where people have wanted different things have been completely skewed. Yeah, and that's a total challenge. And, 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 to, a, and to a point, an AI wouldn't even be able to dig you out of some of those situations but but the but it would it would make you more agile people talk about being agile in your supply chain and stuff and these are like so so do you think that's kind of almost changed the nature of the conversation with people and that it's now more of a rather than a, almost a awareness to to explore that there's generally more people are more interested to see what ai could do totally that uh, yeah totally that car so we we called it sort of last summer in 2020 of like 2021 is going to be the year of demand and that's what we've we've framed it as that and this is where leaders of businesses leaders of you know retail businesses have got we've got to turn and face this there's got to be a bet we can't carry on like this it's not going to get us where we need to go yeah, um, so all the, the, the spreadsheets and the the excel and all the rest of it you know all those multiple platforms and systems that are not communicating yeah yeah. yeah, and like, there's nothing wrong with spreadsheets. There's a reason why the whole world uses them, but they can be definitely made more intelligent. And yeah, we can push, We for some of our customers, we push data back out as a, in spreadsheet form because that's how they like it. But typically a dashboard or then back into the system that they're using and it's just making them those those outputs more intelligent based on better view of their data, yeah. So many markets are developing and rapidly developing their capabilities within AI. Where do you feel that the UK stands um, within that kind of spectrum? Ah, yeah, that's a good one. It, overall, honest assessment with effective use of AI for commercial purposes, early still, generally. Uh, we've got customers across the world now, and uh, the, the US, I think in terms of their attitude to learn a little bit more about it, probably a nudge ahead of the UK. But the UK, you know, I think we fight above our weight, you know, sometimes with certain things. I'm proud to have worked at Footsign, where we definitely fought above our weight with a more of a progressive attitude to it, and we did a few bits of it made, you know, and commercially very viable. I think... There is some, uh, generally speaking, I think people want to want to hear it now, at least. Uh, so I think it, we're, we're moving from early into whatever the next step after early is. And the, there is a more, much more open-mindedness across the marketplace. And if you're not having a look, then you probably need to think about starting to have a look because there will be competitors who are, you know, exploring it. Several major international players were exhibiting at Retail Week Live. One of those was e-commerce solutions provider Axerve. 
We stopped by their stand to talk to the company's CEO, Alessandra Bolka, who shared his thoughts on how the pandemic has given rise to new customer expectations from e-commerce retailing and what the priorities must be to service customer needs as the industry heads into 2022. You know, the managers and retailers talking to the stages. What I understood is that, the, you know, customer journey is not an empty word anymore. So it's, I think there is the awareness uh, that the customer journey doesn't start uh, when the um, buyer choose the product and bring it to the countertop, but it's a wider experience. So this is this awareness and the awareness that they need to measure carefully. This process is something, you know, very common in many speech. And again, it's not, it's, I can feel it's not empty words, but, uh, you know, there are real experiences, um, use cases, and so it, there is a meaning. And if we look at what the big e-commerce platforms or the big, uh, re- not only retailers, but I would say the big e-commerce player um, in the world uh, are now setting, you know, high expectation. For customer, a few years ago, Ken Hughes, uh, uh, an expert on customer experience, called our generation. It doesn't matter if it's X, uh, Z, Z, or Y, or Beta, or whatever. The blue dot generation. So, it's 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 a parallel of what Google did with Maps. So we are the blue dot. So we are in the center, and then. The, uh, the system helps me to understand where I want to go. It's not that, uh, first of all, I have a map. I need to understand where I am and where I want to go. So that is changing the mindset of the customer. So um, again, when you go to the payment phase, uh, the payment phase now is a way to compete better. Not only a matter of, uh, again, uh, obviously logistic, uh, uh, help desk and so on and so forth are really important. But again, the payment phase, uh, it's now, um, again, um, the, the experience um, platforms like Amazon, but even retailers like Farfetch or the Uxnet up or the group set this kind of level of, you know, uh, experience uh, that now requires all the others you know, to follow. And I think that technology and payment platform like, like us, but other, like many other in the marketplace, can help them without investing that much in this process to achieve the same level of competitiveness. For many retailers with an e-commerce presence, 2022 is predicted to be the year of optimization. John Redman, founder of Bosco, spoke to us about why better planning of where to invest budgets, maximising efficiency and predicting where new sales opportunities lie will be the difference maker. I think there's a lot of people have just chucked money, good money after bad, and, and, and digital has worked. And I think the, the big question we'd be asking retailers is, well, you may think your e-commerce has won, but how much should you have actually won compared to your competitors? You might think you're winning because you're three times up, actually your competitors ten times up. It's all relative, and I think they're not necessarily looking at that. And I also think the, the big challenge now, and often everybody's obsessed with new customer acquisition, new customer acquisition, actually, you've acquired all these new customers, Right, how are you going to keep them? And I think actually the, the, the smart retailers and e-commerce people out there will be looking at their ongoing customer engagement and CRM and engaging all those new customers that they got during the pandemic, uh, as well as thinking, all right, we need to keep this up. But saying that, it's never going to go back to where it was, but I don't think it's going to stay at where it is. So it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think also looking at alternative channels, because the winner at the moment is Google and Facebook. 
right? And, and it's the costs going higher and higher and higher, and it's not sustainable. Uh, it's just not. I think people need to be smarter about which channels they invest their budgets in. The challenge for traditional retail is they are often told we've got to do a test and learn budget. Like, give us 50 grand, we'll go test on TikTok. Well, why would I go test on TikTok when I know if I put another 50 grand into Google, I'll still get more new customers. So what I suppose we help retailers do with Bosco is we can predict what, if you put 50 grand into TikTok or if you put 50 grand into Snapchat, or even we were talking about Discord the other day, or we were talking about um, uh, all these other emerging platforms of where you could go, but we can actually predict what's going to happen rather than a test and learn based on your metrics, based on the demand and based on your performance, you should be able to expect this back. So yeah, I think the, the, the retailers who are brave should be trying different channels because there's definitely much cheaper acquisition and much cheaper volume and clicks there. Much, much cheaper compared to Google. That brings us to the end of this special roundup episode from the Retail Exchange podcast at Retail Week Live 2021 in London. I'd like to say a big thank you to all our guests and to Retail Week Live 2021 for hosting us. We'll be back soon with new episodes of The Interview featuring Little Moon's founder Vivian Wong, more from Box Park founder Roger Wade and in-depth interviews with the likes of Pets at Home, Bravissimo and Cano Water. Be sure to click subscribe to be notified of every new podcast episode from us here at the Retail Exchange. Until next time, I've been Carl McKeever. Thanks very much for tuning in. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag retail exchange. Thanks for listening. <laughs>